We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan referred to myself, you know, in quotations as Mike Magic Feet Mulligan. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Hall. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Bulls legend. Bulls legend. Dragic on a lob and a two-handed slam. Derek Jones Jr. Killed it. Bad pass. Intercepted by Williams in the near corner. Down the floor to Levine. Zach with a pull-up right side three. Bam! Zach Levine, 4-3. I-0-4-3. Nope. Put back with two hands. Don't buy Booch. Second attempt by Booch. Good. So we got Booch with a double-double. And that's his 10th straight double-double. Deep in the lane. DeRozan, turn around, jumper up and good. He can get that all night long on Killian Hayes. He is wearing out Killian Hayes and Jaden Ivey. DeRozan. Against Stewart on a switch. Jump pass to a penny. Derek Jones! Punches it down with a two-handed slam! Oh, oh my goodness! Talk about two-handed slams, you all right? Yeah. Ball game over. Bulls win! Bulls win! Bulls win! Here in Paris, we thank France very much for their hospitality. Start your mornings with Mully and Hawk. 5.30 till 10 a.m. Wee oui, wee. Oui. On 670 The Score. <laughs> I can only laugh in French. <laughs> Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And may I may I give a sincere, <laughs> in honor of the laugher in Paris, Mr. David. Good morning, Mully. Happy Friday. Yes, uh, the Bulls. Took care of business to the point where Chuck had, had such a great time. He was thanking the country. He was thanking the entire country of France for yeah. the time that they had. And the Bulls took care of business. And they won the game that we said they had to win. Very much like a, a very festive event. Didn't uh, had a lot of oh, big great. names. Magic yeah. Johnson courtside. Wembayama was yes. courtside. Yes. A lot of uh, who's who. And the Bulls did for what's Ralph? what. How about that? Wasn't Everyone that was right? happy. Yeah. Was yeah. And, and, and Magic and Cookie were there. And I just, I don't know why, but it always warms my heart that there are two people in the world named Magic and Cookie who <laughs> gave it a shot. And they're together. Yes. They and they're together. It, they gave it a shot. Great event. And the Bulls did what they needed to do and just capped off a memorable week the right way. Yeah. It was really, really a good performance all the way around. They led the entire game. Could could they have put their foot on the pedal? Well, you know, we know they go through these moments of, I, I don't know how to define it. I, I heard Billy define it. It was kind of low energy, um, lack of intensity. There are these moments in games, but you just felt like they had enough. I, You know what the most surprising thing to me, and it's my fault that it was a surprise, but I have not done a good enough job of kind of investigating the early life uh, childhood of one uh, Nikola Vucevic, and that's my fault. I should have done more 
looking into him. I, he kind of came here as a finished product. I thought of him as a finished product. I knew he was born in Switzerland, but he's Montenegrin. I understand his background. I didn't know he lived in Belgium for eight years. I didn't know he was fluent in French. There was a lot about Vooch that I didn't know either. And we found out <laughs> this week, very much at home, spending a week in France, very yeah. much at home in the European uh, lifestyle. Should have known that. And also, I thought you were going to go to the point where, was that his 10th straight double-double? This is a guy who was producing of late. He, like, tied somebody yes. for the most double-doubles. Do, he's been doing Do we take for granted, maybe this is a pick-six question for next week. Ooh, is like he this. the most taken-for-granted athlete in Chicago? Do yes. we Have we begun to maybe just assume that, oh, yeah, Vooch, eh, double-double, big deal, he's not doing enough? <laughs> yeah, he's in, that, he's in that team photo. But I think... I think that when they run the, the their offense through him, when he like he was distributing the ball, and he's done that of late. I think they're a better team. You know, they need they need a point guard, and they need. I saw Lonzo Ball there in a blue suit, and I guess his dad was there. That's great, but um, you need him in a Bulls uniform. I thought you were going to say they need Magic. I take well, Magic I, at this I point. Mean, how Magic. about was that awesome? Best like, point guard ever. Magic at uh, at one point comes out to talk to Ben Wallace and uh, and the Phantom of the Opera, and and it was funny because those guys were introduced as kind of Detroit legends. They were representing Detroit, not Chicago, but they played for both teams. Yeah, they did, and Joakim Noah was there courtside as well, kind yeah. of holding uh, court with his audience, and he's a celebrity in that country. Oh, great. He just handled it well. It was like I think it was referenced on the uh, on the television broadcast, much like an All Star game. Yeah, an yeah. All Star game feel right. with the the commissioner there as well. Uh, Chuck took his picture with the commissioner. That was cool. So it had a, a, a big game vibe and a, and a feel. And of course, all of the Bulls jerseys they represented, and you understood why they are this global. Yes. Has this global presence from the Jordan era, and it continues, and it yep. did yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really something special. I mean, it was, I I mean, I get it. It's the it's the regular season, and you know, there's all these games, and you're trudging. I've, I've covered the NBA. I understand uh, what it's like, the marathon, not sprint, and they, these are kind of usually but, real dog days when you're getting to the end of January, February. It, you know, they son, are. My son's like, when? When is the? When are the finals? I'm like, they're in June. They're in June. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be hot weather outside. It's going right. to feel like summer when the NBA finals exactly. and the Bulls will be long gone before then. But Molly, how many games? When you talk about the dog days, and yes, January regular season NBA games represent the dog days by definition. Yes. But how many times will you stick around? and watch the post game to find out how right. it's handled. You're right. And yesterday, there I am kind of watching and listening and DeMar DeRozan at the podium. You're like, this does feel like a playoff setting. Yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> um, a little kid went in and asked Zach, told him that he wears number eight because he's his favorite player. And Well, let's take a listen. Thank you, Zach. We have a question from our junior reporter in the second row. I wear number eight when I play basketball with my club. Uh, 
and when you were young, who were you admiring? I appreciate it, first off, my man. Why I wore number eight is because my idol was Kobe Bryant. And, you know, so looking up to him, I wanted to do everything he did. Obviously, love the number. I wore 14 in high school because of my dad, and then got to the NBA and wanted to wear eight because of Kobe. So I looked up to Kobe and Michael, as a lot of kids growing up in the 90s did. And, you know, I always tried to do everything he did, mindset-wise, hard work. So being in a position where, you know, get somebody like you idolizing me, man, it's full circle, so I appreciate it. That's great. That's great. That's a great moment. It's a great moment. And the way he handled that and Perfect. just – you take for granted, speaking of things that we maybe overlook at times, the Bulls have a team full of guys who who, who make those moments even more memorable or special because they're high-character guys. This is a roster full of pretty much high-character guys. That's not accidental. And so whether it's Vooch or, in that case, Zach, and you also saw DeMar DeRozan handle it. Oh. As reflective as anybody. Total navel-gazing, right? He's yes. looking down and contemplating his yes. life and his career. Soaking it in. Yes. That kind of perspective from veteran players representing the organization as well as they do, that's something that you just can't always assume. But the Bulls have a good uh, – regardless of the record, yeah, they won. It's fun to talk about it. But they do have a bunch of guys that represent this organization the right way. And the other thing is, you know, with uh, – with uh, Zach Levine, I don't know if you have been following his shoes, but he wore uh, these, like, I think they're called free foam shoes, New Balance, I believe. And it was going to be, it was like the first time they had used whatever their technology was for the the softer shoe that, that he was going to wear it in a game. So it was like the debut. And then he was giving away stuff as he was coming off the court. He saw a little girl wearing number eight Bulls jersey. I saw that. And he gave up his shoes. That's he so cool. gave her his shoes, his free-form, beautiful shoes. I'm only What su- size is his foot? Because I'm going to contact him. I'm thinking he's probably 14. Yeah, that's a I little big for me. Maybe. Maybe a little bit big. If he would wear a size 11, we'd maybe have a conversation. Big I shoes, could, I could big use shoes to fill. Yeah, I think an 11 would be good for me. There you go. Are you trying to drop hints? Are you looking I'm, for a, I'm a new balance there, deal now? If there, was a, if there was a Bulls player at a size 11, I maybe I'd... Wear a Bulls jersey like a little girl. If Only it if it goes that. with flannel. Exactly. <laughs> it's, flannel, it's flannel Friday. TGIF. Thank yeah. God it's flannel. Fluffy Hat Guy didn't wear flannel. No, Fluffy Justin, Hat Guy did not any, wear flannel. Are you wearing any flannel? I am not wearing flannel today. No, yesterday, but, I think I wore flannel. David, was it yesterday? I don't David remember. Gabe Wednesday. Wednesday. This week's been a week. Uh, Wednesday, I wore flannel. You didn't get my new nickname for Brandon Fryer, did you? The Fry Guy? No, no. the Floppy Hat Guy. Floppy Hat yeah. Guy. I told he's decked out in his Bulls gear. He's, he's got really his Bulls gear he's going. Flappy, he's got a Bulls flappy hat on. Uh. Now, the problem is, and it's not a problem for me, but that's a very long-winded nickname. Usually the nickname is kind of short. Like if you're Mulligan, it's, not, hey, Molly. Floppy hat fryer's not long. Floppy hat fryer's a little I like long. that one. We See? Floppy. Floppy, floppy like hat fryer. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> We got to shorten it up. And and Floppy Hat Fryer informs us that Zach is as high as twelve. Is that right? Yes, that'd work. I'd make that <laughs> work. Work. You could have two pair of socks. Yeah, those new belt. super comfortable shoes. I have to inject this question: Did he really wear those shoes for the first time on that floor in France? Apparently, that's what it's. That's said. a surprise, given all his, all given his all issues? his problems and issues. He's I, wearing. He's trying out a new pair of. Shoes? Well, it most, seems like he's been wearing a different pair of shoes, quite honestly, like right. every game. Most players do that. Yeah. Right? Most players 
but I wear mean, their shoes. And but I mean, like I'm saying, like different color pattern. Like no, these were different color like, patterns. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. I I have noticed that he's been wearing a different, like completely looking. They're always New Balance, but a completely different looking right. pair every night. Right. It's interesting. They, the other thing is, and I I I did not know this. According to the NBA, their statistics, the Bulls, wait for it, sell the second most gear in Europe. So of NBA the European teams? market, among NBA teams, there is one team and then the Bulls. Who's the one team? I would say that one team would be the Golden State Warriors because of Steph Curry. That's not it? No. No. It's a good guess. But you got to go along those lines, Dustin. You want to, David? I, I know the answer, so I don't. Okay, know if you then guess you it. be quiet. Brandon, do you know? Lakers. Totally Lakers. Wow. LeBron and the Lakers have the number one selling jersey. Maybe, maybe Kobe. I mean, you know, maybe Magic Johnson. That's Kobe why Magic was there yesterday. Just think about the Lakers. Yeah, it's understandable. So they're the number one sell. But I think also, and I and I'm, you know, God rest his soul. But I think that that a lot of people bought jerseys for Kobe when when he passed. Yeah, right? because he had his history and yes. past and upbringing. Italian. Yeah, in Italy, in Europe, and yes. had that sort of presence. And certainly his loss was felt around the world. So I could see that. And still, you know, Dustin's right. Magic Johnson is that's quite an imprint. No question. The Lakers being who they are, right. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you go down the list, it's understandable. They had the logo in Jerry West. So, yeah, right. I could see that. I would have thought Celtics possibly, too. Lakers, Celtics. Yeah, I, I hear – I you know, I think Golden State's an excellent uh, answer. I just think that the power of Mike is still strong. It, and it, it still endures. Wor- you know, the sixth it's, title. For whatever reason, the the, the Jordan uh, brand and Michael with the, the Jumpman logo. Yes. It's as indelible yes, in it your mind for everywhere. basketball fans as the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It's the basketball Eiffel Tower image. Should they? Should Michael, as the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, build a a statue or some sort of um, of tribute to himself the size of the Eiffel? Why not? Like a giant Michael Jordan. That would Eiffel be so Tower cool, wouldn't size. it? Be? That would be so cool. You could see through him. You'd be in the restaurant and Mike's stomach. Be unbelievable. What I would like to know is that when they play in these games, certainly the Bulls made a lot of sense because of what you just talked about. I wonder if they would ever just invite the Charlotte Hornets because of Michael Jordan's presence, hoping that there would be some sort of buzz created by his arrival. I mean, it would be unbelievable, only Mike probably wouldn't go. That's what I mean. Could you guarantee his presence? (laughs) How about next year, wherever they hold this European – a showcase, and it, maybe it's back in Paris. I don't know. I don't know if they know yet. Hornets, Bulls, back in Europe. Oh, that would be awesome. Wouldn't that be something? That would be awesome. You'd have the Bulls jersey and the logo and the merchandising and the branding, and you'd have Jordan himself. I, I got to say that of all the stuff, watching this whole trip and going on Bulls.com and seeing the different stuff, and it's fun, um, I think watching, like seeing Benny the Bull Posing in front of the Eiffel Tower was hysterical. I don't know what it is about a mascot. It might be just the expressionlessness, just, but but watching like a mascot in these situations, it just it cracks me up. It's because the juxtaposition of a silly mascot that pours popcorn on people yeah. in front of this iconic stature exactly. Exactly. that is art. Betty the Bull. I mean, uh, 
it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it's, and I think it's also cool because all of these images from Paris this week and all the of the things that we saw again yesterday, you were just there, and I think yeah. that's also probably yeah. what makes it cool. I don't want to speak for you, but my sense is that you know you go on vacation somewhere, you visit somewhere, and then you see that later represented. Oh, that, oh that's cool. I remember going by there or whatever you the know, case that, may be. That did happen quite a bit. I knew exactly where they were going and stuff. Like when I was just looking at different things, it was really um, – Yeah, I get the same feeling yeah. every time I watch one of these Jeep commercials in, in Moab. You know, <laughs> yeah, because you were just there. Yeah, that's. I know. That's, I know. It's, a, it's maybe a bit of a reach, but like, no, I do you, think you I, find yourself like when we're going when we were in Moab, and you know that was a great trip, and it was unbelievable beauty and the the where we were going on these tours, and they're saying, "Well, this is beautiful. Watch your next Jeep commercial," and they do a lot of them here, and. The next thing you know, you go home and you're watching every Jeep commercial like you never watched them before. Like, oh, I remember that. Why? Look at that. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they like play? A, you know, they do like a game on a carrier, destroy whatever it is. Yeah. A why not play one? Like, you just build a court on top of one of those mount with nothing <laughs> I around. I would love it. that. That would be so would, cool. Imagine now, the, the backdrop. Is, you know, you'd be thirsty and like, oh, where's the what do you mean? We well, ran out of water. You'd run out of water, but also maybe the what altitude. What do you mean I can't shower? The altitude would be yeah, altitude such a challenge. Oh, my yeah. gosh. They tell you not to you know, go too far without water and watch your, watch your heart rate and all these things. Can you imagine playing a basketball game up there? Anyway, yeah, I, I, No, would be the answer, but um, I, I – um, Did Chuck dance? I, you know, I hope yes, I tweeted it. Yeah. You did. I'm sorry, I, I missed Molly it. Hawk count. Yep. I will check that out. I, I'm so happy that he, he got a chance like to a dance. And he danced with he danced with Benny the Bull. Oh boy, he did. He really. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll Benny the Bull I'll double check it, but I thought, that's, that, I thought that's how I that's remembered good. it. That's good. I'm sorry I didn't check that out, Dustin. I wasn't questioning your. I should definitely have been. More I'm committed. For that. We talked about committed. that yesterday. I saw it. I said that needs to be retweeted. I also, just for the record, I also, and I'm, I was actually waiting for this all morning. But since you guys didn't check our Twitter account, I also, I also retweeted. And just for everybody, if who's paying attention to the nine o'clock portion of the show yesterday, I, I tweeted out, re retweeted, I should say. I guess that's the proper terminology. An unbelievable like video montage of Dick Butkus. And if oh, that really? doesn't want to make you. you break through the weekend, so yeah. during the during don't do it now during the break. No, no, yeah. you know we're take, focused go, now. Go to break now because yeah. I just want to go watch. Budget. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you for doing that. That's awesome. Oh Is yeah, he, he dosi do he not only danced he dosi doed with uh, Benny the Bull. No, so Great. those are those are back. Well, Chuck to back. is committed. There's nobody uh, more committed. Ten to his and job. ten and thirteen hours ago, those tweets were made. I you know I I'm sorry, buddy. I, I you know I watched the game. I watched all the coverage. I did all that I was supposed to do, and I also have, you know, three kids to check it out, and my wife. I actually cooked dinner. I made some. Oh, really? Migas. Nice. Migos, Migos tacos, kind of not real taco, but you know, the little flour tortilla. Wash it down with the margarita. No, um, no, because we went to, Thursday night. We went to Austin for a wedding, yeah. and we had and we had this, and I thought I can try to make this. It wasn't nearly as good, and I wasn't as popular. It's the effort that counts. It's but a I thought that been, counts. I should have been more committed. Fridays are more like margarita night anyway. Yeah, Thursday night's yeah. a little tough for our, I, our job to have I, I, that be God, margarita night. I, and I'm, I'm just being honest. I try not to have a drink during the week. I find that when you sleep for as short a period as we do, um, I get a hangover with one drink. So I try to avoid that. 
I, I'm probably nuts about I, it. I admire that commitment. Yeah. I am you, not going to sit here and say that. You don't limit yourself to no. that. Yeah. I looked, I looked at a bottle of red wine sitting on the countertop in the kitchen last night. And you got sleepy? And I just I, I said, nah. I, I was, so, was kind of, I was by, my wife and daughter were out. My older daughter was home. Then she went to work out, and I was kind of like, hmm. She said, no, you passed? I passed. Yeah, you guys are really making me feel bad for having that glass and a half of wine last night. Glass and a half. <laughs> and a half. I'll, I'll make Roughly. up. Don't, David, don't worry. I'll make up for it Okay, tonight, I'm sure you yeah. will. Or Saturday. Him. Or both. Oh, I'm sure you're going to hit it hard tonight. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was a good event. There, you know, listen, I, I'm, I really had fun. I enjoyed watching it. Now I'm like zeroed in on the NFL playoffs. This is one of the best weekends of the year. This is going to be a competitive football. This is going to be fun. No doubt about it. I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. I think before we get there, and we'll talk about this throughout the pick six in the show, a lot going on in the league, a lot of moves being made. I think, oh, yeah. I think maybe double-digit teams have offensive coordinator openings. You see surprise moves being made. Maybe not such a big surprise. Minnesota fires a defensive coordinator. There's a lot of Is that like movement. He's, he's he's got to go to the Lions now, right? He's been everywhere else. Ed Donatel has yeah. been everywhere in the division. So really good wonder, dude. Ed really Donatel. good guy. Spent some time in Chicago. Yeah. But you're right, Molly. Between the playoffs and the movement, the NFL is irresistible, and that's why we are part of why we are all addicted to football. Uh, what is the countdown to the draft? Weren't you keeping a clock, Dustin? Didn't you have like a doomsday clock? No, that was, days. Uh, that was the over 4,000 days since the last time the Bears had won a playoff game. Oh, yeah. Well, that's oh, that's. The I dropped that clock. one. Yeah, but no, I, I thought you we talked about having like a running clock. 97 days, I think it is. 97 perhaps. I could, I could do one. We you know, do that one. one that David got annoyed with when I did. What did I do it for that you got? Remember you got annoyed. Probably, probably. I was doing one. I was doing I was doing. Do you remember? Fred? Yeah, I did. It did floppy, annoy me. I do. I do remember being triggered by that. Do you remember floppy hat guy? <laughs> floppy hat fryer. Again, what, what was the case? Too wordy. Too wordy. Yet. Too wordy. No, I like it. I like alliteration. If his last name wasn't Fryer, it might not go with floppy hat, but the alliteration is really. Floppy hat. Floppy hat. I like it. Well, I, you know. Plus, if you wear that hat, you got to, you're begging for a nickname. <laughs> I mean, really? That's so mean. Boy, David, there's nobody, no, nobody you won't come at. I love Brandon, but no, I mean, doesn't? come on. It's, it's, you know. Brandon, to know you is to love you. Exactly. Wonderful person. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> Dustin, we like you. Thanks. Oh, no. Can you see Dustin we wearing that hat? Brandon can pull it off. I, you know, I don't think it would it. sit on my head. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, here, look, it comes, here we here go. On yeah. Twitch. No, 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 no. Oh. Should I take is... off my headset really quick? Let's see. Yeah, take uh, off your headset. No. Let's take a look. Oh, my God. I don't think this that is awesome. this is going to be something that. I don't think you're a floppy hat guy. Yeah. I think you got to stick with the. It actually, it actually fits. It's quite comfy. Can you stand up? I can barely see you. Is there a is there a, like a put the um, cheaters back on? Is there a box? <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, it's bad blood you, flowing today. Did somebody give the man a phone book to sit on? Must oh, be Friday. On, no. Must be Friday. All right, we should. Uh, it's a floppy hat Friday. Time yes. for the pick six. Time we the got pick the six. pick six next. It's Molly and on the score. How do you say onions, baby onions in French? Onion, baby onions. Okay. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. What was your major takeaway from the Bulls' 126-108 victory over the Pistons in Paris? How good was it to see DeMar DeRozan back? Zach Levine scoring 30. Vooch had a great first half, finished 16, 15 rebounds and 6 assists. Will this be the start of something? Yeah, you know, I feel like we have asked that question every time the Bulls have had a big win. I feel like we're, we're kind of in this mode of, you know, is this it? Is this what's going to turn the season? It reminds me a little bit of the White Sox, quite frankly, where you kept waiting for some significant moment, some happening that would justify how they got to where they're at and how good they're going to be. I guess they are right now sitting in the last playing spot, right? If, Tenth. If, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, that's awful. I'm sorry. They should be better than this. Their whole season, they've given away too many games. No, I'm going to say no. I loved it, had a lot of fun with it, but I can't look at this as a breakthrough, and I can't look at Lonzo Ball coming back as a reality. I'm just just putting my head in the sand and trying to live on a day-to-day basis. I'm taking it one game at a time. Well, what you're saying is something that Billy Donovan kind of really stressed in the postgame, that like, okay, this is good, let's be positive, but now it is time to put these things together because we can't have this one day in, one day off. And that's what I was going to say for my answer, but I'm playing off of what you said, Molly, there, is that, and I think you make a great analogy of the White Sox to the Bulls, what happened over the last season with them. But yesterday, no drama. Like, there wasn't that third quarter where they got outscored 36 to 18 or something. They just they they owned that game the whole time. Yeah. You never felt like, oh, here we go again. That's what was nice about yesterday. I never felt like, oh, here they like like what's happened with the White Sox last yesterday. They just that was a team that you should beat, and they took care of business from start to finish. The big three played like it. They got everything they needed from everybody, and. They played as well as you would have hoped to cap the week off the right way. And I don't want to get carried away. I don't want to make more of it than it is. But these kind of experiences can have lasting impact. They can mean more than just one win because it was just one, it was one week. And this was something that I think goes beyond just your typical January victory over a division opponent because of where it was, because of what you did to get there. 
And so I don't want to get carried away, but I'm also looking at the standings, and they are 10th, and they are 21 and 24. And I also think, though, a year ago, the Celtics, a year ago tomorrow, woke up 23 and 24. And they were below 500, and they started to take off. It can't happen in the NBA, is my point. Yes. And you do have enough talent on this Bulls team to justify a little bit of hope to think that if they get it together, if they stay healthy and they start playing better, then maybe this could be a launching point to the rest of the season. Maybe that's overly optimistic, but it has been done before as recently as last year with the Celtics. That's, yeah, there's a lot of questions there. What did you make of Jay Glazer tweeting about the Bears assistant GM Ian Cunningham turning down an offer to become the Arizona general manager? Is that because the situation is a mess or the Bears have such an exciting offseason ahead? Well, Jay Glazer is pretty accurate in these reports, but I do wonder about this one only because if it's true, what are you turning down? Why, From the outside looking in, yeah, it's a mess. You're a general manager. If you're going to a job that's open, chances are you're inheriting a mess. Do you think that Ryan Poles was going to resist leaving Kansas City for Chicago because of all the heavy lifting he had to do once he got here? You know that's part of the deal. There would not be an opening if it wasn't such a mess. So if you're Ian Cunningham, I don't know I don't know if that makes sense to me if you are ambitious and you want to be a general manager and that is your primary goal. Don't know some of the specifics. It was a surprising report. The other job in Tennessee he didn't get, but uh, I, maybe he didn't want that one either. I don't know what being the number two in Chicago has over being the number one guy anywhere else in the NFL because those jobs are hard to get. And maybe he just likes working with Ryan Poles. Maybe he likes the situation here. He must, and he better. So it was Albert Breer who tweeted out the Titans GM interview process moved fast. San Francisco's Rand Carthon had first and second interviews on Friday and Tuesday. Chicago's Ian Cunningham had first and second interviews on Saturday and Monday. Tennessee offered Carthon the job, and he accepted it on Tuesday afternoon. So he was the last guy in, and they gave him the job immediately. And then... That's hit, that was the tweet, and Jay Glazer responded, heard Cunningham was offered Arizona too, but turned it down. Carthon came in strong, and now Niners have built their uh, – with how Niners have built their roster and culture. It was almost an aside that he had heard this. Right. Like, it didn't, it didn't feel like a formal offer and a formal turn. You know what I mean? It seemed like, yeah, you could have gone there. I, I think he went there and got a bad vibe and didn't want to do it. And I think that the reason – that uh, that Brian Poles came here as opposed to Minnesota or wherever else he was looking is that he was going to be allowed to do whatever he wanted, and I think that might have been that that could have been impaired for Ian Cunningham, and it wasn't the right situation. Hmm. Well, I don't think you turn those kind of jobs down. You know, yesterday Joe Banner, yeah, Joe Banner two days ago now played some of the sound yesterday in the pregame show, talking about the president jobs. Right. There's only 32 of these jobs, and really there's probably only 18 because a lot of the presidents are people that were born into right. the title. Um, so I, I just, I, I'd just be shocked that you would turn that job down because if you really, if that's true, and you really turned it down, like that's going to get out. Like the other other owners are going to hear about that. Other team presidents are going to hear about that, and that's just something that you know. 
who are you to turn? Like that's just how people really? in those power positions. Yeah, I don't you, think you, you don't turn. Th you think he, he couldn't get the next one because he turned down this one? Potentially. I don't because know because it doesn't fit. It, it, it's too because where's the ambition? If it, if it's, I mean, I could I could have answered. Yeah, it's kind of a mess out there yes. in Arizona. But yes. I mean, they have a, a quarterback that has the similar capabilities. They've already paid him, and now they got. I think they have thirty-two free agents out there. I was but they looking. got the four. I, they got they have a, they have I the think, fourth pick in the draft. I don't want to speak for Dustin, but I think what he's trying to say is what I kind of thought too. You can't take for granted there's going to be another offer. If you're a young general manager and you want, or assistant general manager, and you want to become a GM, what is there to guarantee that you're going to get another shot? We're going to talk to Biggs at seven. I'm pretty sure that if he had gone with this job, then see you bye. But if he waits another year, if he's with the organization for two years, uh, because he is a minority, the Bears would get draft pick compensation. That's true. That is true. Now so this is good for the Bears. No, there's point. no doubt. That's a different. That's a different not, not perspective. Just, not just having a guy that's a really good. No, knows what it looks like. If, helping you make. Decisions. If he left this off season, they would get nothing. Yeah. If he stays another year and leaves, they will get a third round draft pick, compensatory pick. So that is in the Bears' favor. My question would be though, how can you assume if you're somebody who is a climber? And I don't. That's not a no, derogatory it's, term. It's not a shot. But if you're ambitious and you want to be a general manager. Are you sure that you're going to get another chance? Well, but I mean, if you take this job, you get some money for it, great. Are you sure you can win? And are you sure that chance lasts long enough? Where are you and going are to you be sure? I, I think you'll know it when you see it. Okay. I think you'll go in and you'll interview. And you'll, and you, you know, it's I mean, an interesting that, debate, though. It's really interesting. That is a mess. And, and, and the bid, well, I mean, that's a, that's a rough spot to go into. Well... That's a really interesting question. There is the voice of Brad Biggs. will be here at 7. Look around the NFL. The Bucks fired offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. The Ravens axed O.C. Greg Roman. Vikings let go D.C. Ed Donatel. All were playoff teams. Could the Bears conceivably stand pat with their coordinators after a historically bad 3-14 and season? Why or why not? Yeah, I think they can, and I think they will. And I think the reason why is... I don't think it's on them. I don't think the the three and fourteen season, the fourteen losses, the ten losses in a row, are because they weren't. I don't think it's because the scheme stunk, or they made the wrong decisions, or whatever it might be. It it, it was a talent deficit, and frankly, it was it would it felt like a planned talent deficit, and it felt like a tank. And so, if you're tanking and you're not getting the players that are good enough, how can you judge the coaches? It's patently unfair to do so. I don't think they're going to make big changes. I know they got, they're interviewing a, a defensive backs coach, and that guy's gone, the, the D backs coach. But I don't believe that it would be um, a, a true reflection on their ability based on who they were trying to coach up. I would be shocked if either offensive or defensive coordinator was let go. Now, if. The shine they is still on Getsy. You know, is you know, there, there's a lot of head coaching openings still. Now I haven't heard him get any interviews yet. No way. But I, I'm just. I mean, listen. Crazier things have happened. I'm just saying. How about this? A third, a third of the offensive coordinator positions are open in the NFL right now, and it's not the Bears, who, <laughs> who were not good. Right. I'm just saying. Like, think about. I mean. The, 
it's just crazy. Uh, I would think Allen Williams would be in more jeopardy than Yeah, Luke but that Getz. would be I mean that would be boy that'd be bad business. I think it would be. I think Allen Williams represented himself well in handling the heat and the disappointment on a weekly basis and the Bears are replacing James Rowe who is going to his alma mater, I believe. But he left, right, David? Yeah. I mean, he didn't – the Bears didn't – No, go. I know. He, he left. He, he turned his back on the Bears. But just to close the loop that Chris Harris, former player, started yeah, in the Chris Super Bowl. Harris. yeah, yeah. You know, he was on the staff as well. He's Good going guy. to be uh, interviewing the Bears' requested permission from the commanders. He's on Ron Rivera's staff, as you might expect. Yeah. Because he played for Ron here in Chicago. Good guy. And yeah, he'd be a great addition. But I, I, I think that's an interesting question because of – Alan Williams didn't do anything to deserve getting fired. Certainly, Luke Getze is the fair-haired boy and the offensive coordinator everybody enjoys and appreciates. No question. And that continuity is something you want for Justin Fields. But Greg Roman getting fired was a surprise to me. And they have problems in Baltimore. And you look around the league, and there there doesn't need to see there doesn't need to be much to compel coaches to move on from coordinators these days. And here we have the Bears embracing the continuity. I think it's the smart thing for Matt Eberflus. I think it's a good thing and probably the fairest thing because Alan Williams, as I have said before, he could have been – you could have been Buddy Ryan in your prime and had a hard time winning with that defense. Let's be honest about it. Um, this is blame game time. This is a time in the league where you're, oh, well, you know, all we got to do is have a better scape. This guy, he didn't call any runs. It got by me because I was too busy trying to not discipline the defensive lineman. It, it is just blame game. And somebody has to pay the price, and the head coach wants to stick around. And usually, they're paid a lot more money than their coordinators. Oh, my God, what a question. What a question. The voice of Joe Fortenbaugh, 744. Get that pen and paper ready to go. Okay. Who's your lockdown favorite just to win? Forget about the cover in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. All those games right here on the score. What player will we be talking about on Monday? Who's playing on championship Sunday? Okay. I think that in the AFC, Bills and Chiefs. And we're going to be talking about Josh Allen having one of those games. And it's going to be uh, one of those matchups ahead in the AFC championship game that we have seen before. And we're going to enjoy again. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, but Josh Allen will do enough in the elements in Buffalo to beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So that's my pick in the AFC. NFC, well, Jalen Hurts comes back. I think Danny Dimes and the Brian Dable show ends, and Jalen Hurts comes in and does just enough. The Eagles, very complete team, very good team. And they will play the 49ers, who will beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys defense will make the 49ers, uh, you know, work for everything they get but I do think that we're going to come in here Monday morning talking about the contrast in Josh Allen returning to the AFC championship game based on what he did and how what he's all about because he's he's great and Brock Purdy the best story left Mr. Irrelevant having the biggest impact because of what the expectations are for him and having those long extended handoffs turn into touchdowns we'll be talking about Brock Purdy and the 49ers. So the lockdown favorite that's going to win is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But that game is being played on a Saturday, and the Jaguars quarterback has never lost on a Saturday. Are you aware that Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game on a Saturday? This guy. This guy. This guy. <laughs> that's the greatest. This guy. Uh, I've got uh, – I'm, I'm actually holding hands with David. Um, Chiefs-Bills. 
That's the uh, AFC down in Atlanta, right? That's going to be down in uh, Atlanta. And then it's going to be uh, Eagles 49ers. But I'd be happy with any of the matchups. Like, I, I, if it was Giants-Cowboys, I could get down with that. I just think it's going to be Eagles 49ers. And I do think the guy we're going to be talking about um, on Monday, it's going to be both quarterbacks from the Eagles and the 49ers. And why we'll be talking about Jalen Hurts is because that's what I think, if he has a good game on Sunday, Saturday night rather, um, that's the guy Bears fans want Justin Fields to be, right? And make the steps, the progressions. And if it's Brock, if Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant to all of a sudden playing to go to the Super Bowl or Mr. Irrelevant was the reason the 49ers lost to the Cowboys Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you know, I think this is a really difficult question, believe it or not, because of the uh, the quarterbacks involved in these games, the coaches involved in these games. And, and, and frankly, um, I think Kansas City is going to win their game. I don't know, what is it, nine and a half, something like that? I don't know that I wouldn't take the Jags. I, I mean, it could be like a backdoor cover type thing, but I think that Kansas City is the lockdown winner. They're just better than the team they're playing and significantly better, and that is obviously the highest point spread. Um, I like the Eagles because I've liked the Eagles all year. And um, is it possible that we're in here on Monday talking about how injured Jalen Hurts really was and how they never had a chance, whatever, third time around? It's a division game. There's more at stake in those games. I, I worry, what is it, seven in the hook? I worry about that many points in a division game in a third time round, but I'm going with the Eagles. The um, the Bengals against the Bills is the best game of the weekend, and it's a really interesting game. And I, I, I think that the Bills have too much for the Bengals, but I, if, I'm, if I'm wagering, I would probably take the points. Um, but I... I think that the Bills win the game. Does that make any sense? And and uh, my my upset special, which is not an upset, I think that the Cowboys are going to cover against the Niners. I'm not sure that I'd pick them to win, but I definitely am picking them to cover. I, I just think that um, we're going to be talking about Brock Purdy when we come in here, and, and he's not Steve Young, and and he's not Joe Montana, and he's not – even Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not insulting him, and I know you love the story. I just I just can't help but wonder what happens if they fall behind in any way. And I think the Cowboys, with the, with the two-headed monster at running back, it comes down to Dak, and it comes down to quarterback play. I think that they can keep that San Francisco defense honest by running at them. I, I just think it's going to be a super cool game. And I like the uh, I like the Cowboys to cover, although I don't like the Cowboys. Just for the record, never compared them to Steve Young. Um, no one ever accused you of. I'm I'm just thinking of past winning. I think he can be Jimmy Garoppolo, though. Okay. Oh yeah, he's already Jimmy G. Oh, just, Dustin. <laughs> this still, guy. Still this guy. This guy. There you go. You know, I've been asked that question before. <laughs> this guy. All right. This would normally be the weekend the White Sox would hold Sox Fest. Let's pretend there's an imaginary panel and Rick Hahn is on stage and you have a microphone for one question. What would that question be? Uh, are you calling the shots or are you following instructions? Oh, are I you... thought you were saying that to me. <laughs> that's a good one. That's what I would ask. That, that's it's just a, a simple. That's all I, I need to know. That's a good one. I, I need to know 
who do I, and, and you know, if you come back and tell me that it's by committee or that we all talk to each other, then that means you're not calling the shots. But I don't think we know the answer to that question. First of all, let me just say, I miss that. I loved that thing. That Success? Was that was so much fun. I know. I could take my kid to that, and we would go to some obscure panel that no one else would care about, but you'd hear about guys that four years later you'd be interested. It's, it's just a fun thing to do. If Tony LaRussa had not been your manager last year, could you have won? And I'll follow up. Did you ask Jerry, did you ask Kenny if you could fire Tony at the All-Star break? Hmm, that's, a, that's a good one. We're kind of living in the past, but I think that's a good one I'd like to know. I, The LaRussa stuff, I think what everybody wants to move on from, right? Ugh. Even though that would be a fascinating answer. Do you have any intel? Let me follow up a question with another question. Do you think that they did want Tony Larusa fired? That well, I don't. I, I think I don't think Rick Khan ever wanted Tony Larusa. So then, when it right. wasn't going right, I wonder if he thought, okay, here's my chance because it's not going the way we, you know, some in the organization had hoped. Here's my opportunity. If if we brought in a body language expert, say oh, I don't know Brad Biggs, and asked him his read on uh, on that. Zoom conference that Rick was sitting in on when right. Tony was hired. Yeah. You'd know. it speak volumes. Okay, that, those are good ones. I would ask Rick Hahn, I would say, why did you leave the impression at the end of the season that you were going to be this creative trade guy and make these deals to make your team better? And then you basically, nobody's going to complain, went out and signed a couple free agents, but you have yet to make a trade that's been impactful. And how can you go into spring training with obvious holes at second base and catcher? Right field. Is is Oscar Colas your start? I mean, how many games has he played? I can understand. I can understand the hope invested in a prospect like that more than I can understand neglecting second base and catcher. I agree. I I, I think the faith in Colas is is almost justifiable based on what they have seen. And at some point in time as an organization, you do have to hope that one guy matures to the point where you can count on him. But second base and catcher, I thought this was going to be the the winter and offseason of the creative deal, and the Sox have yet to make a big trade. Do you think, and I and I, I mean, I, this is going to sound harsh, and I don't want it to because I feel really bad for Liam Hendricks and everything he's going through, and I've said a prayer for him and will continue to do so. But do you think that the guy they were going to trade has cancer? Is that part of the answer to that question, David? I, I mean, and when we were breaking it apart, we, we couldn't come Well, now up I with feel anyone. bad because you might be right, uh, and I don't know if that could have been part of what maybe interfered with some of their best laid plans, and you, you're right because that puts everything in perspective. If that's the case, then it, it is more understandable and acceptable, I guess. But he did, he did say he was he doing did. one thing, and, and yeah. they haven't done it yet. yet. Maybe they do it in spring training. This will be a pick six. There's your ball game. In a huge college basketball story, Notre Dame coach Mike Bray announced he will step aside at the end of this season as the winningest coach in school history. How could of a job does Bray leave, and what might the field of candidates look like? Well, this is a big story in South Bend and college basketball. Mike Bray, you know, obviously from a personal standpoint, uh, such a great guy, a good friend, and I was there the day he was hired, and it was that long ago, wow. 23 years he has been at Notre Dame, and he's he's had a tough year, 
and he recognized this. And the other night after the loss, he had a, a very uh, vulnerable moment at his press conference, and he talked to his athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, and he's walking away. And he is the all-time win he's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Uh, he's been there through the Big East and now ACC, and he's just everybody's – uh, he's an easy guy to like because he's as normal as they come in college basketball. I think it's a great job. I think it could be a sleeping giant. They are in the right conference. They need to be ambitious. I hope they are. A lot of big names will be on that list. If I were Notre Dame, and I don't know that he would be, be able to be pried out of his job that he's in now, but if I were Notre Dame, and there are a lot of names that will be interested, I would see how Porter Moser would like to come back to the Midwest. Wow. Porter Moser would be a guy that – Whatever he's making at Oklahoma, I think it's $2.8 million Notre Dame can afford. And he, you want to energize and re-energize your program. That is the guy who would do it, even though he might say no. That's a really good name. I, I didn't even, That didn't even cross my mind. That's a really good name. Because I found this question very hard to answer as far as the names go. I, I think they're in the wrong conference if you actually want to be good. I think they were better off in the Big East from a, a, a um, competitive Stance. I'm sure this is better for them financially in the ACC. Um, I think Mike Bray, he's been really great when he's been on this show. Seems like a real normal guy. Seems like a guy that if you – he reminds me kind of Coach Wanstead, like doesn't take himself too serious. And if he walked into a bar, like would tell stories and have a beer and take a picture and not and, – and Or not, three. You know, and not be too serious about it. I went to CBSSports.com. They had some names, and the, it's not very exciting, but the name that stood out to me that I think is good, but maybe short-term, not long-term. I don't know if you're go, are you looking younger, but Greg McDermott, okay? Like, is he ready to – like, he could sit there where he's at at Creighton forever, right? Like, he could be there for another 12 years, but does he want to take a shot? Does he want to see if McDermott ball works in the ACC kind of a thing? I think that might work, but otherwise, I mean, it's like guys I've never. I mean, the, the number one, Chris Holtman, he's not doing a really great job at Ohio State. Well, why do you want him at Big Notre Dame? Yeah, but 10. I mean, but I'm saying he's not doing he's not doing a great job there. He he did okay at Butler, but that wasn't his. He didn't create Butler. I, I just the number yeah. one name just didn't do much for me. You know, I think that it, it reminds me a little bit um, Ohio State basketball of Notre Dame basketball. I mean, is it a good job? Yeah, it's a great job, other than the fact that you're the second program at your own school and that you're going to kind of – even, even if you get to a point where you're great, it's going to kind of bite you a little bit. It's never going to be that you're the greatest. I, I, Mike Bray had some great moments. Was it 2015 Notre Dame against Kentucky? Yes. And the Elite Eight? I, yes. I mean, there, he had some great moments. That is, that is extraordinary to last 23 yards – 23 yards, 23 years in a job like that, a high-profile job at a big-name school. That's a really difficult job to do for the five football coaches before. ago. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and, I mean, that's a long time to last. I said today, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. We texted back and forth a bit. I would, I would find out immediately if Jay Wright was burnt out or if he was ready to come back. I would go after the old Villanova coach and I would offer him a, a fortune wow. to try the, 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 uh, I love the it. ACC. That would be awesome. He's 61 years old. Yes. He's two years younger than Mike Bray. I don't think there's any problem 
with checking in with him. Why not? If he doesn't want to do it and he doesn't feel right about it, but I'd love to see a very well-dressed man in an Italian-cut suit coaching Notre Dame a moving perfect forward. Perfect fit. Hall perfect of Famer. Yep. He I, would fit as well as one of his suits. That's why they need to be ambitious because names like Jay Wright, Porter Moser, these are the kind of guys you want to attract because that's the kind of potential this program has. And, and if they're going young, I said to you yesterday, I, I was very impressed with Todd Golden when I saw him coaching. Uh, he's he's at San Francisco. Uh, Todd Golden, I believe, is a dual citizen, is a, a Israeli and American, and um, played a, lo- a long time in Israel and is really a good young coach. I think he's in his 30s. His wife... Went to St. Mary's. She's Catholic, and and he's coming from a Jesuit school. I think he could work really well with the right players, and I think he could get players that he could work with. He's done good a, name. He's done a real good a lot job of good with names. That and we'll get Mike Bray on the show at some point because I know he'll come on and reflect on the last twenty three years on the job. Yeah, we'll have to talk to him about that Elite Eight. That was awesome. I was watching that game. Uh, I was at that game. I think I was in Vegas. It was an awesome game. game. I watched the game. Yeah, in Vegas. No. Yeah, that was something. 312 with a bunch of Notre Dame fans. 312 644 67 No. I'd have gotten my three point uh, stance and everything. I, <laughs> Cowboy, baby. Uh, we're got, we've got the extra point next. This Molly and all on Chicago Sports Radio 6 7 of the score. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Molly and Haw on 670 the score. We ranked the quarterbacks left in the playoffs yesterday. Can we do the same thing with the coaches, please? How many of the remaining eight would you swap out with Matt Eberflus if he had to pick one guy to win one game right now? Well, it's kind of a mean, kind of a mean question. Flusy, what did he do to deserve this? But okay, for the sake of the exercise, who would you swap out with Matt Eberflus? Well, Andy Reid, in order. Kyle Shanahan, although. Really, I'm saying that out of respect because if I were hiring one guy to win one game one season, it would be Kyle Shanahan. Let me make that clear. But out of respect because of Andy Reid, his his career and what he's done, I'd go Reid, Shanahan, McDermott, Dable, McCarthy, Doug Peterson, Sirianni, Zach Taylor. I'd... I've never been that impressed with him. I give him credit for winning the AFC last year. And who would I swap out for for Flusie? Well, Reed, Shanahan, McDermott, Dable, Peterson. I I like Doug Peterson. I think he impacts the game. But that would be it. I don't think I'd want any part of Mike McCarthy any longer. Not that I don't like Mike McCarthy. I just think that um, that you know it's kind of been there, done that kind of a feel. And Sirianni and Zach Taylor just not real impressive to me, even though they have good teams. But um, yeah, it, Matt Eberflus has, you know, he's uh, the first season didn't do it enough to overcome the lack of talent. But who could have done enough to do that? So uh, interesting question. But the four that I would definitely feel good about, the five, I guess, would be uh, the five that I mentioned. This is this is really mean. I, I don't know that I want to say, boy, that it's it's just it's mean. But let's put it this way: Andy Reid's at the top of my list. If I have to win one game now, again, if it, one game with his team, I, I'm gonna I'm picking Andy Reid because I think Andy Reid's a good enough coach that he can go in and kind of 
do things with whatever he has on offense. Like he's a he doesn't have to have certain things. He 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 can get the best out of what he has. So that I Andy Reid's at the top of my rankings. Andy Reid's my one guy. Yes, I would replace Eberflus with Andy Reid. I begrudgingly say I'd replace him with Kyle Shanahan. If you've been paying attention to the show, you know what that's all about. Yep. Yeah, well, um, I don't understand what that's all about. Why re- begrudgingly? Why don't you give him his due? <laughs> it's just the little fun that you and I have on the radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he's a stud. Yeah, let's go back to the let's go back to that Falcons Patriots. Oh Super my Bowl, God, okay? he wasn't the head coach. He, he's winning with his third quarterback. You you wanted we we wanted to fire the Chargers coach for what happened. There's in no that comparison. Game? Don't even start. What do you mean? There's no comparison. No, no. There's no comparison. What's thirty five minus twelve? Twenty three. Twenty seven to nothing and twenty three nothing. If you want to look at it that way. Run the ball. I'm sorry. Finish your answer. You just triggered me. Thank you. That's what he does. I mean, the rest of it does. Nick Sirianni doesn't do much for me. I I do. I, I like Brian Dayball quite a bit, too. I, I have a little envy. Like, I, I just wonder if the if the pairing that was in New York right now was in Chicago, and we talked about it yesterday, a very winnable NFC. Like, would that pairing, could, could, the, could the Bears have somehow gotten in with that pairing? is the general manager and the head coach versus the Bears' current general manager and the head coach. Yeah, okay. So, I, I mean, I think there are three coaches remaining in the playoffs that have already won a Super Bowl. And obviously, we all remember Doug Peterson winning a Super Bowl. We all remember Andy Reid winning a Super Bowl. I'm not sure we all remember Mike McCarthy winning a Super Bowl, but Mike McCarthy was Because it was, was the there. Packers, yeah. But nonetheless, he won a Super Bowl. Um, Kyle Shanahan? is 5-2 and two in the playoffs as a head coach. And David just said it. How many different qu- quarterbacks does that encompass, right? They had the big run with Garoppolo. Um, he, he obviously is on his third quarterback this year, and they won a game, and they won a game convincingly. I think he's a really good coach, and um, you know I like him. Uh, Zach Taylor is 4-1 and one in the playoffs. Thank you, Joe Burrow. I mean, it's great to have Joe Burrow. Does the quarterback come with the coach just I, no. out of curiosity? No, no, if that were the case, yeah. you have a lot different opinion about some of these quarterbacks I, and coach, some of these coaches. I I, um, I really like Dayball. I understand your hesitation with Nick Sirianni, and, and I can I can understand why. And I, you know, he's got – we've got to see what he can do before we make a judgment on him, right? I, I mean, I just don't know that we can, that it, unless they win, I think we're going to feel like that's a kind of a losing program. I mean, they, they haven't even played yet, but they got knocked out last year. It, it's just a difficult one. So I, I he's kind of on the bottom of my pile right now. Yeah, I hope he's I at the top that. of it. But it, it's going to be really interesting to see how these games go and how we view these coaches because – Last round, you you can blame guys for mistakes. Quickly, beyond the head coaches, one of the assistant coaches that I think has been largely overlooked when we talk about the 49ers, Brian Greasy came out of the booth to coach the quarterbacks with San Francisco. You've got to give him some credit. Brock Purdy succeeding. They went from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo. And really, Brock Purdy plays like him. Brock Purdy and Brian Greasy have some similarities to yeah. their game and yeah. to their approach. You can see why a guy like that, is responding to the coaching, and as Dustin, you know, furls his brow there. Will if they, Brian Greasy deserves some credit? If they lose, will he be fired? Because coaches are fired all the time. <laughs>
We just talked about that in the NFL. 312-644-6767. Who's your favorite guy? Is Eberflus your favorite guy? Would you not change no matter what? Would you prefer an offensive-minded guy? Look at all these guys. You know, the three Super Bowl winners in the group, all offensive guys, right? 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hall on the score. Deep breaths. I'm just, I'm just need, not going to get triggered today. I'm not going to get triggered today. Molly at Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 in the score. So extending this conversation about yeah. the head coaches over the weekend coming up, I think on Monday morning if we're talking about one coach that was responsible for his team pulling off an upset, to me the most likely answer to that question, if you want to spin it around a little bit, will be Brian Dable. I think he has the greatest opportunity to – do enough and have enough of an impact on the way that he calls that game, on the way that he coaxes the most to get out of Daniel Jones and that receiving core, which is very nondescript. I know yesterday we talked about it and a texter said, well, Darius Slayton is better than anybody the Bears have. True, but you can't convince me that that's a top-flight receiving core, and yet here the Giants are on the verge, one upset away from being the story of the league. Brian Dable, to me, of all the coaches we mentioned, has the greatest opportunity in front of him to make the biggest impact. I don't think it's realistic with Doug Peterson. I would say that would be another chance because I think he won that game last week. I agree. Going for two, doing what he did to get get his team not not to waver after getting down as much as they did. But I don't think it's realistic to expect that that team can beat the Chiefs, whereas... The Giants, to me, conceivably could upset the Eagles if everything goes their way. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that would have to go their way is the quarterback. And I think this is the big mystery with the Eagles. I don't feel as confident about the Eagles as I did when, um, when the quarterback was healthy. And it's just, I mean, that's, that's but, obvious. I also, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he was saying, like, you know, this is going to be – Nick Sirianni, he's got to figure this out. If this guy isn't having success, when does he replace him? And I said, I don't think he can. I don't think if you're if you're down a touchdown in the third quarter, the fourth quarter, are you going to Gar- Gardner Minshew? I, I, if Jalen Hurts struggles, yes. you're not replacing him. No, you're going to live and die this, with this him. This is a guy when healthy was an MVP. Exactly. He, he was the MVP of the league the front runner for that award, and then he got hurt. And he got hurt here in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. And so that uncertainty is the only reason you doubt the Eagles. You don't doubt them for any other any other thing about their roster, their approach. The only thing that I, I, I see getting in their way could be Jalen Hurts getting injured or not being as productive because he's missed some time. That's it. They're as complete of a team as – as is left in the field. And that's why they have the record that they have and why they had the, had the season they enjoyed. I, if Nick Sirianni can't get the most out of this team, if Jalen, I, I just don't know that you, you replace your starting quarterback. No, I, I, that's, that seems like a non-starter to me. Yeah. And I, I, I think that Daniel Jones had a really good game in their upset of the Vikings and, and you saw their running game really, kind of take control and a, and a running game can, you know, with a, with a, a quarterback that, uh, 
that can do the things he can do. He had a great passing game. That can open up a lot for you. These are these are familiar opponents. This is going to be a really hard fought game. I think I think the Jaguars covering against the Chiefs is like a victory for them. I think they had their moment. They had this huge comeback. I don't expect them to be able to play with the Chiefs, although they played earlier in the year and it was like 27-17 and Jacksonville's like 10 times better than they were then. Now, I, But the I, Chiefs are 10 times more interesting. No question. No question. <laughs> you know that when no that's question. on the schedule, yeah. that's one of those games they viewed as a scrimmage. I told you. I think yeah. the Chiefs are the team, and I think Andy Reid knows what he's doing. But I, I like Peterson is a really good coach. You saw that in that first game. Did you see the stuff um, that uh, that, that uh, the quarterback was talking about? He, he referenced some – uh, some stuff that they had done earlier in the year, this kind of Trevor positive, Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence talked about this positive reinforcement mm-hmm. that Peterson brought in, and you know, hey, great job, no matter what the job is. So he throws four picks, and one of his linemen comes up and says, "Great job, you're doing great. Those are great interceptions." Like, and, and they're laughing about it on the sideline. That's an unbelievable mentality to get to put into a team, and it's one of the reasons they were able to come. The back. maturity that Trevor Lawrence showed in coming back from that was something that. Incredible has been impressive and was in the aftermath now that he finished the comeback and completed that and they won a playoff game in Doug Peterson's first season and in Trevor Lawrence's second because of the way it happened it leaves you a little bit more impressed with the kid he's no kid he's a leader and he's respected in that locker room and some of these images that we're getting out of Jacksonville reflect that this is a guy that has taken ownership of that role much the way that Justin Fields has in Chicago without the same results but Trevor Lawrence, undoubtedly, the leadership is one of his best aspects. Let's squeeze in Mark. He's in uh, South Bend. Mark is on with Molly and Hall. Hey, guys. How you doing? How Good. you doing there, Mike and David? Good. And Dustin, my who's your friend? Uh, I want to squeeze on the quarterback. I mean, on the coaching about the, of the experienced coaches to go with. And three of them are former Super Bowl coaches, mm-hmm. McCarthy, uh, Reed, and Doug Peterson, I would go with Doug Peterson as far as making adjustments, getting down in the game, with a, uh, whether it's sideline adjustments, halftime adjustments. Uh, in the Super Bowl, 45 minutes, he made great adjustments, and he was able to take Nick Foles down and, and pitch kind of a perfect game there and beat the greatest coach and quarterback of all time in the biggest game. That's a good call, Mark. I think when you talk about the Super Bowl winning coaches and you look at Andy Reid, well, he won with Mahomes. Mike McCarthy, well, he had Aaron Rodgers. Doug Peterson, Nick Foles? He did that with Nick Foles? It is impressive. He's a guy that could have an impact, but I think that is there are limitations to what any coach can do when you're uh, facing as much of a disadvantage in terms of talent, I think, as, as you do with the Jaguars and the Chiefs. That's the biggest mismatch of the weekend. There, there is one of the eight remaining coaches that's a defensive guy. Only one. Does that does what does that tell you about what you need to win a Super Bowl? Are you gonna wait and tell me after they win the Super Bowl? After they lost their offensive coordinator, who is one of the guys we talked about as a great young coach. I understand that, and that's a, that's undeniable. You can't you can't ignore that. Because the trend though. There, how many defensive coaches are there really in the NFL? Yeah. So it really reduces the chances that somebody is going to be able to win that way because there's so few of those. 
All right, we got our guy Brad Biggs. It's Biggs time next. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.